Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Hey, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I'm just so excited to be here with, with all you fine people and those of you watching online. So with that, um, I, I, I know we're in a series, and I forgot to tell the team to go ahead and put the Christmas Is series theme up, so you're going to see our logo there. Uh, so that's my fault. But we're going to stick with the theme tonight. And I want to talk a little bit about what Christmas is specifically to me. Because growing up, Christmas, you know, I, I, it was a beautiful idea as a kid. I thought it was a tremendous idea where we got to see presents. We got to see um, a baby. And I didn't realize what that baby really meant until I actually got saved. Uh, and, 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 but we, we fall in love with just the idea of Christ, but we don't necessarily fall in love with what he can do in our lives. And I think we lack belief sometimes when we look at the child and we look at a baby and we don't see dominion, we don't see authority, and we don't see power in a child. But really, that's what he came to bring is that this is a season where we're honoring the birth of something that is life-changing, something that not only changes your life, but it changed the world around you. It changed every part of history known to man. It's affected the way this world turns, the way things are, 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 are formed and ideas and thoughts and culture is impacted because of a baby that just so happened to be born in a manger. And so I don't want us to fall in, in love with the idea of Christ, right? I don't want us to fall in love with just some parts of scripture. I feel like I'm called to let you know that all scripture is breathed by God. In other words, if I told you that you're, you love the fact that somebody died for you, you love that fact. Yeah, he died for me. It's easy to say. It rolls off the tongue and makes you feel good. Right? We believe that Jesus died for us. But when you pick up the scriptures, you may have trouble resolving the idea that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And maybe you don't believe that as much. Maybe you have some friction there. You know what I did when I wrote this part of the sermon? I looked up who got swallowed by a whale. And you know who didn't come up? Jonah. There's people that have been swallowed. Apparently there's been people that are swallowed by whales. And I had a list. I'm like, that's not part of my sermon. I got to get it out. I started going down this tangent. But there are people that are swallowed by whales. But see, you understand what I'm saying now, right? You believe that Jesus died for you. But sometimes you have trouble believing that the walls of Jericho fell. Maybe you have, sometimes you have a problem understanding everything in scripture here. It just doesn't line up with your narrative. So therefore, I won't believe that part. I'll believe the part that makes me feel better about myself. Therefore, you're falling in love with the idea of Christ. But this season, oh, look at that. Praise God. They're awesome. Let's give the production team a hand. Christmas is not an idea. It's not an idea. It's an, it was a huge event that took place. 
See, it's, it's, it's not acceptable for us just to believe in Christ defeating death and not accepting Jonah was swallowed by a whale. We have to accept the whole scripture, the whole Bible. Amen? So with that, I'm going to pray. If you would just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your kingdom, Lord. To come into your church, Father. Lord, I'd submit myself to you as a messenger of your scripture. And Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would meet us here this evening, that you would speak to us and it would not be me, but Father, use me as your vessel to deliver your message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I I remember there was a time, and I think I told this story before, so if you've heard it, just bear with me. There was a time where I had to go to India for work and... um, uh, you know, they're asking me, what do you want to do for the weekend? Because I was in India for quite some time. It's like 20 days or so or something like that. And they said, but on the weekends, you know, what do you want to do on the weekends? I said, you know what? I want to ride an elephant. <laughs> I want to do something crazy, right? Something I can't do in America, but I could do in India. So I told them I want to ride an elephant. I, little did I know that they took this extremely seriously. No, if you know me, I'm very sarcastic. You know, I was just kind of joking. So the next day they come in the office and, and, and uh, I'm in the office in India and they're like, hey Rob, we have a problem. We, you know, there's nowhere in the city of Chennai, that's where I was, which is very South India. It's deep, deep India. Very tri- it's a little tribal. And so they're like, there's nowhere in the city where you can ride an elephant any longer. I said, well, how long ago? And they said, well, uh, two weeks ago, they just passed a law. It's inhumane. And I said, it's inhumane. You know, I'm thinking, I'm not letting this go. I want to ride an elephant. I said, you guys got to figure it out. Because I want to ride an elephant. We're going to do this. And they're like, okay, all right. You know, and they're just, you know, they're amazing people. They just wanted to do anything I say. They, you know, and, and I was there with my boss at the time and, and he was like, you're being so mean to them. Don't do this to them. And so they come back the next day and they're like, hey, we found a place, but it's a bit of a drive. It's like two hours into the desert, but you can ride an elephant there. And I'm like, we're going. And my boss looks at me, he's like, I'm not going with you. I said, yes, you are, man. You're coming with me. And so he's warning me. He's like, you don't want to go that deep. You don't want to go that far. It's different. I go, everywhere I look is different. This is India. It's just the eastern side of the world, right? And I'm like, culture is just different. And so long story short, I, I got to cut it short. We, we, get, we get in the car and they're like, hey, look, start taking, if you have any accessories, jewelry, take it off. I said, I got nothing. You know, take it off. And then they're like, yeah, but you also, because we're going to a temple, you're going to have to take off your shoes. And I'm just going to warn you, it's very dirty. And I'm like, okay, hey, no problem. But where do we put our shoes? We're going to have to find somebody to watch our shoes. I said, okay, great. So we'll find somebody and we'll pay them to watch our shoes. Apparently this is a, a thing there. So I get there, we get to the temple and I'm looking around and I don't see any elephants. So I tell them, you know, where are the elephants? So I'm expecting to see a lot of people riding elephants. They go, yeah, about that. I go, well, what happened? They go, well, you can't ride elephants here either. I said, we just drove two hours in the desert to ride an elephant, but you're telling me I'm not gonna be able to ride an elephant. They're like, yeah, but what the elephant can do, Rob, is even better. I go, what can he do? He's gonna bless you. 
So I look at him, everyone's like, mm, I don't know, right? Wait a minute here, you can do that back home, right? And so, so, so they go, he can bless you. I'm like, he can bless me? Really? They're like, yeah. I go, what does that mean? Good fortune. I go, wait a minute here. What do I got to do for him to bless me? You just walk up to him. You're going to put a coin. We're going to give you the money. We're going to put a coin in his trunk, and he's going to take it, and then he's going to go with his trunk, and you're blessed. And I'm like, whoa. Really? They're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what that, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's, let's do it. And my boss is like, you don't want to do this. And so, and so we're, we're walking around. It was just an amazing like, event in my life because I'm in the middle of nowhere in India. And it, it, uh, it, it was really dirty. My feet were just, it was bad. Anyways, so we get to the line where we can stand in and get blessed by this elephant. And I'm standing in line and I can hear people already kind of whispering like, because I'm not Indian and I'm going to get blessed by something that they considered sacred. So I'm, I'm, I'm in line and um, the, local, the locals I was with, they gave me the, the coin. I go up and sure enough, that elephant is trained to take it right out of my hand. He grabs it and he hits me right in the head. I do have a video of this. So I tell them, I get, I get out, right? And I'm like, I tell them, the locals, I'm like, hey, there's a lot of people upset that I just did this. I could tell that they're upset, that they're, they're mad. They're like, yeah, Rob, you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, do what? You told me I could do it. They said, no, 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 you're not, you're not, you're a Westerner. So you're not supposed to get the blessing. I said, I'm not getting the blessing. I told him, are you serious? My boss goes up. He gets it. He gets the blessing. But at the time, my boss, he's just very light-skinned. Very, very, very light-skinned. So when he got the blessing, everybody started to raise their voices. And immediately, the local guy grabs me by the shirt and he says, we have to go now. And we're deep in the temple. So we're barefoot and we're like... <laughs> We're like trying to run out of this temple and people are chasing us. I tell the local, I said, get the homeboy with the van. We got it. Sure enough, we're going and I see the van come around outside the temple and I'm like, our shoes. So I go to this, I go to this lady. We gave the shoes to a lady that was, that's like, she has like a market of vegetables and, I, and, and she was going to charge us like maybe 50 cents, right? My boss threw a 20 at her. And he just, we just grab our shoes and we dive into the van and we leave. We're just completely messed up. And I asked them, as we get into the van, I asked the people we were with, our locals, and they said, I go, hey guys, that really wasn't much of a blessing at all. That was a disaster. And I didn't get to ride the elephant, which would have been a blessing. Right? And so it reminds me, though, that people are infatuated with ideas. People are infatuated with just ideas. And they think, oh, well, it happened. I had the idea. 
I like this idea, therefore I am blessed. And let me tell you something. You, it, 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 in Christianity, you don't receive the blessing unless you receive the belief. You have to believe who Christ is. In other words, you have to submit yourself to the dominion, the power, and the authority that he brings. So if you're taking notes, the first point I want to make to you today is that Jesus is more than a feeling. He's more than a feeling. He's more than an idea. He's more than a feeling. I know we look for feelings when we come up here. We like to lift our hands and cry. But he's even more than that. What begins to take place is when God starts to mess with your feelings a little bit, that's just scratching the surface to what he wants to do in your life. He starts to scratch the surface a little bit, but what he's really doing, he's establishing dominion. And I want to show you this in scripture. In, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, it's one of my favorite scriptures where John the Baptist gets very excited as he's in the womb of his mother. Check this out. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41, he says, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, she hears the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. In other words, John the Baptist leaped in her, that means he like jumped in her womb, and Elizabeth was then filled with the Holy Spirit. The, she spoke out with a loud voice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? Indeed, as soon as the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now you're probably looking at, oh, that's so cute. That's so pretty. That's so awesome. John the Baptist was so excited because he knew that Jesus was coming. He heard Mary's voice and, and you know what? He just got excited. That's what, no, no, no. You don't understand something happened to Elizabeth the Holy Spirit hit her and John the Baptist felt that and those of you that are Bible scholars you understand that John the Baptist was called to pave the way for Jesus he was one of the craziest preachers ever documented in the Bible and Jesus hadn't even been born yet to some extent but he was leaping. He was leaping because he felt dominion. He felt that the Holy Spirit had entered the room and it changed everything. It changed the atmosphere to the point where the child began to feel it. That's the power. It's more than just a baby. The baby comes with dominion. Jesus brings that dominion. The Bible warns us that where Jesus is, the Spirit is there also. And even with Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, I'm going to jump down to verse 34, where it says, And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I don't know a man? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One who will be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the power. It's the Holy Spirit that brings and represents that baby. And we have to understand, church, that when we celebrate this season, it's not just an idea, but rather it should remind you of where you're falling short at in your spirituality. It should remind you, what do I need to do better? You're going to see family. You're going to see friends that you haven't seen in some time. And maybe they don't know Jesus. But at the same time, you need to be able to show them what God has done in your life. Show them that God has dominion over your life. 
We have to remember that God is doing something greater than just playing with our feelings. He's trying to establish a kingdom inside of us. What kind of king wants to do that with someone like us? It is Jesus that wants to bring us closer to the Father, and he's going to use the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to us and establish his dominion in our own lives. The other thing I want to remind you of is we don't always need to feel him in order to obey him. You come to church and you say, God, I want to feel you. God, I need an answer. And you're telling God what to do at that point in your relationship. That is no different than paying that elephant. Because you're telling that elephant what to do. You're telling God what to do. God is not a genie. That's not what he's here to do. He's not here just to flood your bank accounts and get you nice cars and get you the right jobs. You serve him and those things will come. I truly believe that. But I'm not here to teach a message on on, on prosperity or anything like that. See, when you're not looking for it, God begins to bless you because he sees the inside of your heart. He understands like, oh, look at this individual. I'm gonna give them favor because they are so submissive. They're so submissive to my word. They're so submissive to my church. They fear sin. These are the things that God is looking for. He's looking for an established dominion in our lives. And then when you have the the dominion, once God establishes that dominion, meaning you've been touched, you've felt his presence, you know he exists, you've allowed him to be master of your life. Now he has that dominion over your life. The next thing, this is the second point. You need to let Jesus do his work. Let Jesus work, man. What does that mean? Well, it's gonna mean a lot of different things. What can that look like? It can look like many different things. It can look like, hey, guess what? You're gonna stop hanging out with that girl. Hey, guess what? You're gonna stop hanging out with that guy. Hey, you know what? You're gonna throw away that peace pipe. Hey, you know what? You're gonna throw away this. Hey, you know what? You're gonna stop doing this. You're gonna stop watching that. You're, your life's about to change because you've already allowed the dominion to come in. The Holy Spirit's already touched you. You've allowed the feeling to come out. Right, So if you establish some connection already with God, but now you need to let him do his work. See, a lot of times they say, hey God, you know, I don't want that right now. I'm focusing on this right now. I'll have that later. Oh, so you're gonna dictate when God blesses you. That's like someone saying, hey, I have a gift for you. No, but I don't want it right now. I'll, I'll get it later. How do you think that makes God feel? But you gotta let Jesus do his work. You gotta let him establish the dominion and so you can now experience his power. How many want to experience Jesus' power? Amen. Amen. There's there's four of you, so praise God for that. Maybe if I brought in an elephant, you guys will be excited tonight. But I want to experience Jesus' power. Now when I walked in, um, I, when I walked into the church, I remember experiencing, uh, excuse me, I wasn't experiencing Jesus' power, but I think I was witnessing it. And I was kind of newly saved, and I was like, what the heck's going on, dude? Why is this guy shaking and foaming at the mouth? Why is that guy doing that? Why are the ushers freaking out? You know, what, what, what's going on? What's happening? I'm experiencing God's power, allowing Jesus to do some work. Right, And so if you allow him to do work, your world starts 
to become transformed. If you allow the power to begin to seep out into you, it starts to seep out into other people. Your spouse will become transformed. Your family starts to be transformed. Your kids start to serve God. People at work start to look at you differently and treat you differently. Your world starts to shift and it becomes aligned with God's will because you've allowed the dominion, now you're experiencing the power, and now you're seeing God start to move, not only in you, but in the people around you. Because that's what dominion does. It, it's eternal. That means the dominion isn't for a short time. See, when you, when you say, hey God, I'm done with you, I'm done with this church, or I'm done with the church, I'm done with this stuff, you have separated yourself from something that has already been established. It is not God turning his back on you. It's you turning your back on God. We're a church that believes in free will. You can mess up tomorrow. But you better get on your knees the next day and ask for forgiveness. Because it ain't okay. But again, that's, this is where you need to allow Jesus' power start to take place. And, and there's, a, there's a moment in scripture by another individual in the Old Testament in 2 Kings called Naaman. Now Naaman, uh, let me give you some context. Naaman was a general, okay? He was a general in the army and he ends up getting leprosy. If you don't know what leprosy is, it's a skin disease and it's, it's a bacterial eating disease. And there was no cure at this time for leprosy other than Jesus, okay? A little foreshadowing there for you, all right? There was really no cure for leprosy so leprosy was kind of seen as, as one of those diseases that cannot be cured. As a matter of fact, not many people have ever experienced it being cured. However, there was this young prophet by the name of Elisha at the time who was serving God and he began to use his teachings and God's power, not his power, God's power to begin to heal people. And we saw miracles start to take place. So Naaman one day, he was fed up with his leprosy. He didn't know what was, you know, what was gonna happen with his life. And so this girl, this servant girl tells him, one of his servants, she says to his wife, tell our master to please go see Elisha in Samaria. Okay, so Naaman gets, he kind of gets permission from the king to go to Samaria and go see Elisha. But check this out. Look how Naaman, I want you to see what his expectations were. Starting in verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 5, it reads this. So Naaman with his horses and chariots arrived in style and stopped at Elisha's door. Elisha sent out a servant to meet him with this message. Go to the river Jordan and immerse yourself seven times. Your skin will be healed and you'll be as good as new. Naaman immediately lost his temper. He spun around saying, I thought he'd personally come out and meet me, call in the name of God, wave his hand over the diseased spot and get rid of the disease. The Damascus rivers, Abana, Farpar, are, clean, are cleaner by far than any of the rivers in Israel. Why not bathe in them? I'd at least get clean. And he stomped off, mad as a hornet. I didn't know hornets were mad, but apparently they are. Verse 13, but his servants caught up with him and said, Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? So why not 
Why not this simple wash and be clean? And so he did it. He went down and immersed himself in the Jordan seven times, following the orders of the holy man. His skin was healed. It was like the skin of a little baby. He was as good as new. He then went back to the holy man. He and his entourage stood before him and said, I now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no God anywhere on earth than the God of Israel. And in gratitude, let me give you a gift. And verse 16 says, as God lives, Elijah replied, the God whom I serve, I'll take nothing from you. Let's stop there. So what ends up taking place is Naaman, he expected Elisha to come out and do the work, but Elisha sends a servant. And this makes Naaman extremely frustrated because his expectations were that Elisha would come out, wave his hand, as scripture would say, and immediately the spots that had leprosy would begin to get healed. See, what God is trying to do is not heal you from a circumstance. He's trying to heal you spiritually. A lot of times we're expecting God to come rescue us, to come tell us what the answers are to our problems when God is saying, I don't only want to give you the answer, I want to fix what's wrong with you spiritually. And this is what takes place in Naaman's own life. He was a man of doubt. He expected Elisha to be the one to heal him. He's not realizing the faith or the power that the father brings. He's not realizing that. And he begins to finally give attitude. And he's mad as a hornet. We've all been there, apparently. He's mad as a hornet. And he's, he's upset. And then his, his servants, he had to listen to like, his servant at home, and then his servant here finally tells him, why don't you just, why don't you just do it? Just do it. And so he finally does it, and what does God prove to him? Yeah, you're healed, but does he say like, oh my God, no, no, no. He shouts out, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no God anywhere on earth other than the God of Israel. His spirituality was completely shifted, completely turned around. I don't know about you, but I believe that he became a believer at that point. See, follow his instruction, church. Stop being stubborn about the things of God because you're infatuated with the narrative and the idea of Christ, but rather you don't want to be infatuated with the ideas of his teachings. See, Christ said a lot of things that are a little frustrating. He just says things that are just like, oh man, that, really? I gotta put you first before my family? Yep. You don't like that, do you? But it's my family, bro. You don't understand. I have family too, bro. I understand. But my God is greater than my family. I like what Pastor Omar says. If this relationship is straight with you and God, then these relationships are gonna be straight. Right? I have a duty as a father to serve God so my kids can see that. You have a duty as a mother to do the same. Right? We all have a duty to do these things because you've, you've allowed the dominion to be established. You've allowed God to work his power in your life. What's being established there is something greater than just you. It impacts your surroundings. He's more than just a child. So check that out. He was in Samaria... And Naaman gets healed. His life is turned around, right? Now, I want you to fast forward 900 years. Hit that fast forward button on the VCR. 900 years later, in the same town, Samaria, 
Okay, we're going into the future. In the same town, look what Jesus does. In Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it says, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village there, met 10 men who were lepers. This cannot be a coincidence. Who stood at a distance, they lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Immediately, God, Jesus didn't touch them. He didn't do anything like that. He just said, what, you know, go, go. And they went and they were cleansed immediately. When he saw them, he said, them, uh, or sorry, verse 15. One of, them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorifying God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not the ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there, were there not any found to return and give God glory, glory except through this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In other words, it wasn't I made you well. It is your faith has made you well. And what's important to understand is that when he received his healing church, at that moment, he, give God, he, gives, God, he gives him thanks. But there was nine that were healed in Samaria. How many of you have been bailed out by God and you forget to give him praise? Where God has come through, but you, you don't even say anything. You'll be in connect group like, yeah, I got no prayer requests. Meanwhile, God's moving in your life. Yeah, I got the same old stuff. Really? Let me tell you something. You come to this church, God starts to move in your life. Don't tell me God's not doing anything. All right? God starts to move in your life when you start to come into church. You start to relinquish things, right? And so once dominion is established, the power can be reproduced. And this is what's happening in Samaria. It started with Naaman. It left a legacy. The dominion was there in Samaria. And when Jesus goes there, it's easy. He heals them. He doesn't even have to touch them. They stood at a distance. He tells them what to do. And just by their obedience, they're healed. But only one gives thanks. But the one that gives thanks, Jesus specifically says, rise, go your way. Your faith, not me, your faith has made you well. It's because of the dominion that has been established in Naaman's life in that region. Jesus says, I know power is here. I'm going to continue to work the miracles. And he heals these 10 lepers, not just one. I remember there was a time where I was, I had a connect group and, uh, and, uh, and it was, it was an awesome connect group. We had, we had a couple and one of their child was, you know, had a, had a, had a disease. I'll say that it just had something wrong. With her, and so we, week after week, we would pray, we would pray, we would pray. And we'd say, "God, heal her. God, touch her. God, please touch the family." We pray over the parents, and we would do all these things. We every week after week, man, we just kept doing it. We kept doing it, even when I wasn't there and I was traveling. We were still praying. People were still doing it, and and you know what ends up happening? She gets healed in my living room. I. I yeah, it took, it took a long time. It took a lot of faith. It took a group of people. It wasn't just me. It wasn't my living room. But I got to experience that. But you know what the heartbreak is? They don't come here anymore. Don't let that be you. Where God does something in your life 
and then you walk away from him? Is a miracle enough for you? It probably isn't. I'll just answer it for you. If you're waiting for a miracle, even that won't be enough for you. You have to willingly give into it. Just like this, this, this one leper who listened, the nine listened, they did exactly what Jesus had told them to do, but one came back to give thanks. Gratitude goes a long way with Jesus. And so when God does something in your life, don't ever walk away from him. Because some people never get miracles like that. You got a lot of nerve walking away like that. You never walk away from a miracle like People, doctors don't understand them. You understand that? People get healed from cancer all the time. Doctors don't know why. Well, because we prayed at the altar. On Saturday morning, they were here every week. That's all we could tell you. That's why you don't see the cancer anymore. We believe that God still moves and it's through the miracles. When that child was born, he was establishing dominion immediately. But you gotta let him have, bring the power. Let Jesus do work in your life. The other thing that baby represents is authority. Oh, I love this part, authority. What are you influenced by? TikTok? Somebody on TikTok, because they got a good microphone, nice lighting, so it sounds good. It must be true. You're laughing, but you know it. Church, you know exactly that's what it is. Okay, if it was an awful video, you'd swipe right past it. All right, just because somebody's got some cool graphics using AI now, and you know, it's got, come on. Is that what's going to keep you saved? No, it's not going to keep you, I'll just tell you the answer. It's not going to keep you safe. You're influenced by certain things in this world that you should not be influenced in once you have the kingdom inside of you. There is authority. You've already let him establish the dominion. You've already let him do the work. Now is he your authority? That means this right here has to dictate your life. Yes, I know. It's an old book, Pastor Rob. It has withstood the test of time. Yes, it has withstood the test of time. I went to college and I, I remember I... I would, I would argue a lot with these philosophy majors and they would tell me about this guy named Aristotle. Hmm, yeah, some people know who he is, right? Aristotle was interesting. Check this out. Look how influential he was. For centuries, people believed that Aristotle was right when he said that the heavier an object, the faster it would fall to the earth. Aristotle was regarded as the greatest thinker of all time, and surely he would not be wrong. Anyone, of course, could not have taken two objects, one heavy and one light, and dropped them from the great height to see whether or not the heavier object landed first. But no one did until nearly 2,000 years after Aristotle's death. In 1589, Galileo summoned a learned professor to, to the base of the learning, Leaning Tower of Pisa. Then he went to the top, pushed off a 10-pound, and then a 1-pound weight. Both landed at the same time. The power of belief was so strong, however, that the professors denied what they saw. They continued to say that Aristotle was right. Don't be in love with ideas that you get fed on social media. Stop going to social media for your church. You have the scriptures right here. I'm going to tell you this. You guys are kicking me off stage already? I'm just kidding. You're fine. 
I've always wanted to do that. Listen, church, you have it right here. Why are you watching videos? Test me. Test me and tell me I'm not telling you the truth through scripture. Test me. I'm, I'm reading you from the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. The Aristotle thing was true. Some people still don't believe it to this day because of who he was. What is the authority in your life? What is the authority in your life? Is it Jesus? I've preached this scripture before. I got a few more scriptures, but we're gonna let them do their thing, okay? And I have a picture for you, just hold on. Authority is so important in your life, you have to protect it. See, the thing about Christmas is it, it has a crown. Christmas has a crown. There's a king that is born, but is he your king? Is it enough authority? See, even in the Old Testament, they struggled with this. They had the prophet Elijah, they had Moses, and when Jesus came, it was a problem. It was a huge problem. That's all in scripture right here, you can test me. But it was a problem, so people started to worship Elisha. Some people started to worship John the Baptist. Some people started to worship Moses. So when Jesus came, it was offensive to a lot of people that had already started worshiping Moses, Elijah. It was offensive to them. And what Jesus had to do is he had to break this barrier. He had to tell them the truth, that though you're worshiping Moses, who represents the law, and you're worshiping Elisha, who represents the prophets, don't forget about my son. Matthew 17, I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. It says in the first verse of Matthew chapter 17 that after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them up to a high mountain alone and they were going to pray. But Jesus kind of invites them up to this time of prayer. That'd be pretty cool, right? If Jesus came on Saturday morning and prayed with us. Because I think that's what he would do. But you don't picture him that way, right? But he would. Jesus liked to pray. He prayed a lot in scripture. And so he invites him, come, come with me. He tells his disciples, come pray with me. But what takes place on this mountain was something very spectacular. The Bible says that suddenly the clouds part and Jesus transfigures. That means a light shone from his face, the Bible says. And this light shone from his face and immediately Moses appeared, who was already dead, and Elisha appeared, who had already ascended. And so immediately the disciples are in fear because they don't understand what's happening. And so then there's a voice And he says, this is my son. Please listen to him. Authority is established at that moment that we are no longer to listen to follow Moses. We're no longer to listen to follow the prophets or the law. The law meaning the first five books of the Bible. We're gonna follow the son. And this was a pivotal point in, in history because now we know from 
God himself that Jesus is the ultimate authority on this earth. This is my son whom I'm well pleased with. Listen to him. That's word for word the scripture. Listen to him. If I can have the, the team put up that photo and I want you to leave it up. I'll tell you when to take it down. But if you could put up that photo I sent. This is a painting from Raphael, who's an um, Italian painter, okay? He painted this in the 16th century, around 1515. And in this painting, you'll see that he's painting the transfiguration. This is Moses holding the stones, holding the Ten Commandments, representing the law. This is Elisha holding the prophetic writings of the prophets. And you can see Jesus kind of, I don't know, he's just floating there. Right, looking all glorious. But you know what's amazing about this picture? Is the Bible doesn't talk about this section down here. And I want you to stare at that section as I read to you what part of scripture that is. Because that is documented in scripture. But what's interesting is Raphael passed away. I believe he passed away or he got a disease and he can only finish the first part. And he was so proud of this painting that he wanted one of his students to finish it. And his student ends up painting a completely different event on the bottom. And this is the event of a demon-possessed boy in scripture. And I'm gonna read to you the scripture. I, they don't have it, I didn't give it to the team. I just want you to stare at the painting as I read you what takes place in this passage. In Mark chapter nine, verse 14, you can read it when you get home. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What was, what, what, what is all this that you're arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you can heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring that boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked. The boy's father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. And Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, meaning people were gathering, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, 
that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion. And then it left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with the disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. In the picture, you're seeing this event that I just read to you. You could see people pointing up, but this event didn't happen at the same time. You could see people kind of arguing. You could see that there's something wrong with this child. As he's painted this picture, he's captured the moment. But my favorite part is them pointing. In other words, sometimes, church, we need to be reminded to look to God. In other words, I feel like that man pointing is telling him the reason why this boy wasn't healed is because you didn't recognize the son. See, you want the miracle, but you don't want to follow him. You want him, but you don't want his authority. You want him in your life, but you don't give him dominion. When something bad happens, you want his power. But you've never given him anything. What kind of relationship is that? If that relationship were to be a marriage, it would be a divorce. In other words, you can't live your life and you can't, like, it, like it's a bad marriage with Jesus. There has to be something that you give. And I'm not talking about presents on Christmas. But you got to give something to your Lord. Because what we're celebrating and what we're recognizing is dominion, it's power, and it's authority at that birth. See, there's something heavy I want to tell you. That Christmas is, if I can sum it up for you, it's an invitation. Christmas is an invitation. An invitation was born. And this invitation has changed millions, or sorry, billions of lives throughout history. This invitation is an invitation to the kingdom of God. Just like when Jesus invited James, Peter, and John, he's inviting you. And I'm here to tell you that God is more than just some holiday season. He's more than an idea. If you allow him to have the dominion in your life, that means you make him master of your life. And then you allow him to do his work. That means you're say, God, that's it. You go ahead, man. However you want to change me, just start changing me. And you know what that takes? That takes you reading his word. That says, God, I've surrendered to you. And then there has to be something sustaining. And that sustaining part is you giving authority over to him. Saying, now he's my master. I'm going to do everything his scriptures tell me to do. I'm going to follow the scriptures. I'm going to follow his ways. I'm going to follow Jesus. In other words, I'm going to do everything he has called me to do. I'm going to listen. I'm going to pray. See, the disciples, as they were wondering and, and as they were kind of figuring out, like, why didn't he get healed when we prayed for him? All he said was, you guys just need to go pray. 
This can only be healed through prayer. You know what prayer brings? It brings belief, church. Some of you ain't praying enough. Some of you ain't giving it your all. And when I tell you that, you know, Christmas is, understand and tell your family that an invitation was born. Because that's what it was, an invitation to the Father. If you would just bow your heads with me this evening. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.